podcast called uh, Dub Jellyson Podcast. First ever type 1 diabetic in UFC history. Uh, doing fine, Dub. Nice to be with you. Get out! <laughs> He's like, yeah. My tunnel vision and my periphery, I'm like all field. Hey, you know how it is, Dub. Hey, when you're, hey, when you're team. <laughs> I don't remember that. That's crazy. What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of Dub Jellyson Podcast. I have a very special guest, Mr. John Octius, joining me all the way from Japan. John, how are you? Doing really well, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for for coming on doing this. Um, I know it's pretty late over there, <laughs> so no um, I'm glad we could do this. But uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, like just before we got on here, you were talking about uh, season just getting started over in Japan. So how have things been going for you? Um, well, it started off uh, 14 days of quarantine, stuck in a hotel. Um, that was kind of tough because I felt like I was in jail. <laughs> but um, it uh, gave me some time to sit back and just really start plotting out, you know, the the coming year. It's my second year in Japan, um, second go around. So first year was um, first year was an adjustment. Um, I definitely um, found out a lot about myself, uh, spent a lot of time by myself uh, with the borders being closed in Japan. Uh, they're still closed now, but um yeah this two weeks in quarantine gave me an opportunity to sit back and just kind of plot out what I wanted to get done throughout the year so um that was good um well not being able to hoop for 14 days wasn't but just having the time to just sit back and kind of think about what I wanted to do was great for me um and then uh once I got out of quarantine um met the team met the coaches got hit hit the ground running went to a few different practices Got all the plays down, played this weekend. We got two wins this weekend. Um, it was also my birthday weekend, so I got got two dubs for my 30th birthday. So uh, it's been good so far. Yeah, man. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank um, you, thank you. I mean, how, how tough is that to try to, like, do – I mean, do as much exercise as you can. I mean, whatever it may be, uh, try to stay somewhat in shape and then – jump right back into practices and then and then games right after that quarantine um the team did a pretty good job of setting me up in the hotel um I had a bike I had a bench uh dumbbells kettlebells and some bands so I worked out twice a day with what I had in there um so I didn't I didn't come out out of shape um I've been working out all summer so I came out you know my wind felt good but you can't really simulate basketball practices. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care how much working out you're doing back home or whatever it is. Like once you get into the nick of things and you start getting bodies put on your, you know, elbows put on your body and falling on the ground. Um, it's been an adjustment. Like throughout the interview, you might see me crack my back. a few <laughs> times. Um, But uh, the team, uh, they eased my way in. I came out. I didn't practice initially. I just got to work out in with the coaching staff and the managers um, just to get my legs up under me. They got me in the weight room. Um, and then I had two hard practices before we played our first game, just two hard practices. Um, and first game, it was it was great, you know, getting my feet under me. Um, my wind felt really good. Um, second game, same thing. After the game, uh, I was hurting. <laughs> I'm still hurting. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, what's the difference for for you in, in terms of being like being in shape and then being in basketball shape? Because I know those are two completely different things. Um, 
it's just getting used to the soreness again. Um, season ended in May for us last year, uh, beginning of May. Um, and then it's October 23rd and I'm playing my first game. So, you know, that's quite a few months, um, you know, not really being in the swing of things. Usually guys that go overseas, they sign in August. Um, I signed late. Um, but I guess we'll get into that um, as, as the interview goes on. But it's, I mean, you can't really simulate it. Like I said, I don't care how much working out you're doing at home. It's just totally different once you hit the court. You know what I'm saying? It's a different kind of wind. It's a different kind of um, physicality involved. You know, your body has to just get used to that. So over these next couple of days, I'm just going to make sure I'm staying hydrated and taking care of myself. And next weekend we have the Emperor's Cup. So I'll be ready for it. Well, good luck in that. Um, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about why it was that you kind of signed late, uh, like you mentioned. Um, so I had a pretty decent season last year. Um, I finished like second in efficiency in minutes played in the league. Um, and I kind of knew what the bar was as far as pay um, for a guy at my position um, with what I was doing. So the first couple offers in the beginning of the summer, they just weren't what I wanted. Um, kind of to the point where I just, you know, told my agent, like, hey, uh, I have a lot of things going on outside of basketball. If I don't get the offer I want, I don't think I want to sacrifice another year being away from my family, uh, being away from my girlfriend, um, being away from my businesses, mm -hmm. if the money's not right. So my agent completely agreed with me. So um, turned down a few offers actually throughout the summer just because it wasn't what I wanted. Uh, and I was I was fine with that. I was willing to, you know, go a year without playing or just hang it up completely because, um, like I said, I got so many things going on off the court that I'm just, you know, just, I felt comfortable being able to step away, you know, from, from the game um, if, unless I got what I wanted, uh, kind of bet on myself type situation. So um, this the summer went on. Um, I got COVID like in July, played in the TBT, but barely because it kind of hit me. Um, I didn't notice that it hit me until I hit the court because <laughs> I was out for like 17 days. I, I, I didn't do anything, um, but uh, got back home, got right back into my business stuff. And I had this team call mm, late September. Uh, gave me an offer. I, you know, I kind of had a conversation with my agent, like it's close, but it's not what I want. And the next call that I got was like, all right, J.O., we're going to give you what you want. You ready to go? You got to leave in two days. So I was like, oh, uh, OK, all right, let's let's make it happen. So I kind of had to shut some things down back home and basically get packed up and ready to go within 48 hours. And I was on the plane back to Japan. It's really interesting to look at like how how the business goes in, in overseas basketball, especially. I mean, obviously over here in the States, we see, I mean, it's it's super public. The first day free agency starts July 1st, uh, yeah. seeing deals pop off everywhere. But I mean, overseas, us here in the States, we don't know like the terms of it, like how much you guys are getting paid and all that. I mean, yeah. what? I mean, what is the business aspect like uh, playing over there? Um, especially because of the pandemic and everything that's been going on, 
the market is extremely volatile, really. Um, a lot of teams were hit hard. Mm-hmm. So um, guys were having to take pay cuts. Um, a lot of guys were honestly saying like, hey, like if I'm taking that much of a pay cut, I'll just stop playing basketball. You know, I kind of see that, especially guys around my age that have families. Um, you know, like I said, it's a huge sacrifice coming over here, being away from your family for 10 months at a time. Um, and then being in a country where the borders are closed, it makes it even harder. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy and it's not for everybody. You know, um, I know a lot of guys that will just rock out the G League, you know, for their whole career because they just rather be home. Um, me, on the other hand, I did that for three years. Great experience. Um, but financially it wasn't the best situation you know um i think my first year in the g league the pay was like 25k um which is just tough to you know yeah. to live. and i know guys that were doing it with kids and a family so you know they would have to play in the g league once g league season ends they would have to go overseas for a few months so then they're playing year round not really spending time with their family but trying to provide trying to chase the dream um, the overseas lifestyle is not easy and it's not for everybody. Um, but I found a way to make the best of it um, at every stop that I've made. Um, like I, I wouldn't have come back to Japan if I didn't love it. This is an amazing country. Um, so it's as far as free agency and all that stuff, it just differs depending on the player, depending on who it is. Um, I'm not sure if those notifications, you can hear those, but they're going off. Oh, yeah, you're good though. <laughs> all right, cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not, it's for me, my situation, I'm extremely blessed to be in a situation that I'm in. Um, but I know a lot of guys are just, you know, really, really grinding it out and it's just going to be a grind regardless. So I find it really interesting that, I mean, you, and like you mentioned, a lot of guys are, I mean, they're willing to hang it up if, if they don't get what they want. I mean, it's it more power to the players and knowing their worth. But I find that really into, I mean, is that like a common thing in, in overseas basketball? Um, I mean, it just depends on the individual. You know, I know guys that for them financially, they don't care as long as they're playing. Um, but at, cert- at a certain point, you know, you have to figure out how you're going to provide for just depending on what you want in your life. If you want a family, if you want to be financially stable, you have to start making decisions based upon that. So um, I know certain markets, you know, are extremely down right now. They they're paying late. You know, some guys running the teams that promise them that they're going to get this. But then when they get there, they don't get paid for two months. And I've heard those horror stories before. Yeah, it's it, and it's and it's hard to gauge because again, like representation wise, how are you going to get your money? Are you going to sue? Yeah. You can go to FIBA or you can try to figure it out, but that process is dragged along. Then you got to think of lawyer fees. Then you got, it's just, it's, it's a tough environment. So I leave that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you got to leave that on your agent. Um, and I happen to have a really, really good agent uh, that really, really cares about us. So he typically from everybody that I've spoken to in the agency, he doesn't put us in situations where we have to deal with those type of things. Um, and he, he's been in it long enough to where he knows like, okay, 
this situation wouldn't be good for this particular person or this situation won't be good because I understand what type of organization that is. And I think that's extremely important, just having the right representation. Um, Dave Gasman um, is my agent and he does an amazing job. Um, he did an amazing job getting me here uh, last year and getting me back again. So um, I think that's extremely important for these overseas guys to make sure that they have somebody that actually does care about them. Um, and actually has their um, best benefits or best situation at heart. Yeah, I know you talked about kind of if, if you have one of those situations, you, you could maybe go to FIBA. Um, is there any other, like, body that kind of protects you guys other than than other than them and your agents? Uh, nah, not that I'm aware of. Um, again, it's – doggy dog world out there <laughs> so like I said I've heard a lot of horror stories you know I know guys that still are waiting on paychecks from two years ago um and going through the system and the FIBA system and trying to get paid and it's like I said it's it's tough sometimes um but it just it all comes down to again your agent and you having a good gauge on where you're going and what organizations you're dealing with. Like I said, I've been extremely lucky. Um, Germany um, had a, you know, I was playing in pro A Germany and that organization was amazing. You know, they didn't have the most money in the league, but I was paid on time and they took care of everything when I needed it. You know, anything that I ever asked for, they tried to make sure that they can provide it. And same thing with um, the teams in Japan, I was always paid on time. So I never had to deal with any of that stuff. Thank God. Mm -hmm. I mean, but, I mean, like you mentioned, the the horror stories that you've heard. Overseas basketball is no joke. No. I mean, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to talk to a lot of guys that have played all over the world. And some of the things they've said to me, I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah. Just yeah. like, <laughs> it's like a completely different world than what it would be in like the G League or, or the NBA here. So we're not really accustomed to it. We don't really know about it. Yeah. Um, but like, how, how? What did? You, what was that process like of kind of getting acclimated to playing overseas after playing in the G League, like you mentioned? Um. Well, my my first year, um, after Purdue, I actually signed in Germany, um, to Ludwigsburg, um, for um for a decent contract for a rookie, and unfortunately, like three weeks into the season, I get out there and somebody like lands on my knee. I have a knee injury, season's over. Um, that situation was like, you know, extremely shocking to me because that was my first injury ever in playing sports my whole life. I had never had a major injury before. Um, they told me, you know, to get surgery out there, but a lot of the doctors in the States, um, especially our Purdue doctor was just like, hey, that surgery only works one out of three times. I would fire you. I would just come back home and I'd rehab. I'd rehab. Um, so that's what I did. I went back to Purdue. Um, Coach Payne and Purdue set me up with, you know, an apartment to come back and rehab and be around the guys and kind of help out. So that was an amazing experience for me because I got to rehab for free. Um, we talk about the financial issue thing. So I had to come back and rehab and Chad did a great job. A trainer did a great job of getting me back to health. And I was actually able to go back to go into the G league with the cat in charge at the end of the season, they were in the playoffs. 
Um, and I got to play a few games with them um, and play behind Quinn Cook. So that was good for me, you know, getting my confidence back, you know, coming off of an injury. Um, and the turnaround was was in me, like, amazingly fast. I was supposed to be out for, like, a year and some change. And I got to Purdue beginning of December, and I went out to Canton in March. So it was an extremely, like, quick bounce back, and it ended up working out for me. So playing in those few games, it was good because um, the next year I got drafted into the G League with Chicago, and that was their first season with the Windy City Bulls. Um, played behind Spencer Dinwiddie for a little bit, and Will Bynum had a decent season. Um, second year, probably having the best season of my career, uh, my professional career, and then another freak injury. So that's another thing that we deal with. We deal with, you know, the randoms, you know, the random situations that may pop up and you kind of have to adjust uh, to those. And um, yeah, so I got injured my second year in the G League. Uh, yeah, I was having, I had 29 or like five minutes left in the game. Our team just came back. Actually on the play that I got hurt, I passed it to our big. He ended up laying it up to take the lead. And um, I went down and um, that experience was, uh, again, just a random, you know, random, like just out of the blue uh, injury um, that kind of just shaped the way that I think now um, as far as like why I'm willing to, why I'm always willing to bet on myself, um, especially when it comes to basketball. Um, if you want, I could continue about that, but uh, all right, I'll just keep going. Yeah, so. I got injured. Um, I went to the, uh, I, I remember kind of blacking out and then waking up in the uh, ambulance. And uh, apparently I was like tearing up and my trainer was like, you okay? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's going to be great. And they're like, they're looking at me like, uh, you were just crying. <laughs> and I was like, oh, was I? All right, well, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. And um, they're just looking at me like, all right, bud, like, I'm glad your spirits are high. You <laughs> And um, we get to the hospital, we take x-rays and the doctor comes back and he's just like, there's no broken bones. But if I was to show you my ankle, it was like the opposite direction. <laughs> and uh, he's like, let's take more x-rays because it doesn't make sense. So we go back in there again, take some more x-rays. By now I'm finally feeling the pain. My adrenaline like brushed off. I'm just like, yo, I need some medicine. Like I need something. And it comes back and just like, yeah, man, you're, you didn't break any bones, which is very odd considering the way your ankle looks. Um, but you did tear like every ligament in your ankle. So what they did was they just put my ankle back together and um, they told me a year to 12 to 14 months, I should be fine. Um, be, I didn't have to get any like surgery repairs on any of the ligaments because it was pretty much blown up. Everything was blown up inside my ankle and your body. Apparently when that happens, your body is able to send whatever it is it needs to send to that area to heal itself. So that's what ended up happening. Um, three months later, I was back in the gym form shooting <laughs> like my body. I don't know. It just responded like, so well, I changed my diet tremendously. Um, Three months later, I was back in the gym form shooting and then form shooting turned to working out. And then by May, I was dunking again. Actually, by April, I was dunking again. 
And uh, the doctor was just like, yo, you need to slow down. I'm just like, nah, I really don't. I need to just keep <laughs> pushing this. Because I was trying to make it in time to play in summer league. Because um, I, I was in contact, obviously, with Chicago still. And uh, I ended up not playing in summer league. But I ended up going back to the G League the following season, playing that season, and then going to Germany the next season, which was another great experience for me. So, But that injury definitely changed my mindset as far as, like, um, this could be over at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a very uh, business-oriented guy. I, I would have small, random businesses throughout the summer, um, especially when I was in the G League. Obviously, twenty-five thousand is not going to get the job done. <laughs> so I would. Um, I had a concierge service with one of my, um, actually, one of my guys from Purdue. He was from Miami. We started a concierge service in Miami that we ran throughout the summers, called Jovial Playground. Um, which was pretty successful while we were there, um, while we were doing that. And then um, the following year, I was supposed to go back to Chicago again. And I had heard that they were signing a couple guys that played my position. And me and my agent just decided, you know, kind of last minute that, hey, we should probably head over waters. Um, And that was probably one of the best decisions that we made collectively because, um, I ended up going to uh, Phoenix Hagen uh, in Pro A Germany. Uh, they were one in nine um, by the time I got there. So they were, you know, on the verge of getting regulated. And uh, by the end of the season, we were in the playoffs. We were the last team in the playoffs. So we turned up the season. It was having a great season. The team was going well. And then uh, COVID hit. So we didn't get to actually get to the playoffs. But it was a great season for me. Um, it showed people overseas that, you know, I had what to take. Um, and then and then I ended up in Japan the following season. I kind of told my I kind of told myself the whole season, though. I told my teammates, I was they were like, Yeah, man, you gonna come back to Germany. And I was like, ah, no, I'm probably gonna go somewhere in Asia. I had no idea. <laughs> but I was just like, Yeah, yeah, I'm probably gonna go somewhere in Asia. And they're like, Yeah, how, how do you know? You talking to any team? No, no, I'm not talking to anybody. I just I just know I'm gonna end up in Asia. <laughs> So I kind of manifested that, and I'm kind of I'm glad I did. I mean, I mean, I want to. I mean, I could break down a couple different things that you talked about there, but uh, um, I mean, is that is that something that you guys think about? Like, oh, where would be a cool place to play? Oh, I want to go play there. Like at yeah. the end of the season, I mean, because overseas, it's a, from my understanding, it's a lot of like one year deals, so you could bounce around all over the world you could play five years playing on five different continents if you wanted to yes yes one thousand percent um i know a lot of guys they prefer certain places um for whatever reason everybody's different you know um for me i um europe is cool but i just wanted to get out to asia i knew the market was more stable in asia as well mm-hmm. and if you were to get to asia um you can make a really, really good living for yourself. So that was that was what was on my mind. I also wanted to like, you know, indulge myself in a different culture. I had been in Germany before, I had been in Europe. So I was just like, ah, uh, let me see something else. You know, I kind of want to see something different. Um, and Japan is definitely different, uh, definitely different in a good way, in a good way. So, I mean, everybody has their preferences. I know guys who love Europe, you know, I know guys, who are in South America and they love South America, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I know guys that they don't care where they're at as long as they're playing and as long as they're getting paid, you know. So 
it just depends on the individual um, and what they have in their mind for what they want and how they want to go about doing things. What's the basketball culture like over there compared to compared to Europe and, and even the States? Um, I, and, and I can just only speak on Japan, but, um, basketball, the fan bases are amazing. Um, and it's, I say that because it's, it's, it's kind of weird how, um, supportive they are for not only the team in their town, but the teams that come into their town. Um, it, you know, you'd be in America and if you have an away game, it's really an away game. You know, you got people cursing at you, you know, you got all this stuff going on. And, you know, I used to feed off of that type of stuff, you know, going into somebody else's gym and just, you know, putting a smacking on them. Um, but in Asia, it's like such a, well, in Japan, it's such a nice culture. Um, and everybody's so nice to each other that, the way fans will clap for you if you do something cool if you do something like you know that's amazing they'll you'll hear standing ovations <laughs> like the fans will tweet you or the fans will hit you up on instagram and say great game like even though you be my team great game like you're amazing out there so definitely a different culture a very supportive culture um for all the things that they do honestly they're just extremely nice people so just imagine bringing that to the to the game of basketball. You know, I was real heavy in the, you know, I love hearing people talk during the game or like, you know, kind of challenge you during the game. And in Japan, you'll get that like amongst the Americans, but you won't necessarily get that amongst the Japanese players, you know, because it's more of like a, a respect thing. Like, yeah, I respect what you're doing. Like, you know, in our culture, like we we like to talk, we like to, we like to bump heads, we like to, you know, be intimidating in whatever way that we can so here it's a little different here is just like i respect you like let's just play you know so it's very very so much so calm and you just everybody kind of adapts to that environment mm. i mean we just saw that with uh i think it was rondo i don't know if you saw that rondo puts a hand in some dude's face dude smacked it yeah. <laughs> last year we got dudes spitting on trey young i mean yeah. i had uh I had Sam Decker on a little bit like a week or two after that. And he was, I mean, he started telling me crazy ass stories about like people throwing pipe bombs onto the court and batteries while he's shooting free throws. Overseas. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I think it was Greece, but I mean, that's, it's completely different than, than Japan. Japan's so like, like supportive and, it's, I mean, it's crazy to hear all the differences. I mean, when you go to each, each spot. For sure. There was, there was times where, um, cause I think we lost my first game in, in Germany, we lost our first game. And I remember our home crowd was just like booing us. Cause at that point we're, we're one in 10. Mm. So, and I just got there and I'm just, I'm just looking up at the crowd and I see a couple like middle fingers pop up and I'm just like, yo, <laughs> yo, I just got here, just chill, <laughs> like, just chill out, please, like, give us a second to, like, fill each other out, and then by the end of the season, everybody's like, yeah, you know, so <laughs> it's kind of funny to see, like, I mean, people are just, you know, very passionate, you know, passionate about their sport, passionate about their teams, or not passionate about their teams, and you'll feel it, like, there's no censors, there's no anything, like, you'll get all the names in the book, 
your social media get ran through just depending on what team you're on or what country you're in or what city you're in. It just narrows down. It just depends. It's all, it's, but yeah, Japan's not like that whatsoever. We're everybody's calm. Everybody's chill. You know, after the game, even when win or lose, you know, you talk to the, you talk to the home crowd, you know, you talk about the game, you know, they clap for you, you know, you give your bows, you know, at, at the end of the game to every part of the section of the crowd and you keep it moving. So, you know, it's just it's a little, it's just different. It's just different. I mean, but I've heard the crazy stories, though. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're insane. I mean, <laughs> it makes me laugh. I mean, like, when you when you first got over there last year, I mean, how long did it take you to get used to the whole, like, bowing and, and being super, like, I don't want to say proper, but, like, just the way that the way that their culture is over there. I'm, I'm – I don't know, my personality, I'm very bubbly and very nice naturally. So I'm always smiling. I'm always laughing. Um, so for me, it was just an easy transition, honestly. You know, like, oh, you guys want us to smile all the time? Perfect. I do that all the time anyway. You know, like teammates, you know, on the court, off the court, you know, they're very, uh, I don't even know what the word is. But you joke around like there's a seriousness involved, but it's a lot of like, like we're going to have fun doing this. You know what I'm saying? And the crowd likes to see like you having fun, like whether you're winning or losing, you know, they want to see that you appreciate, you know, this, op honestly, this opportunity that you have, you know. So for me, I'm like positive thought, positive energy, positive life. That's kind of what I live by. So even when things are going bad, maybe there was a couple of times last year when the referees were just like, you know, kind of, yeah, we'll talk, actually, yeah, we'll talk about that a little later, the referees, goodness, but um, for the most part, like, you couldn't really, like, knock me and put me into a mode where I was, like, down or extremely sad about something, like, we would lose games, and, you know, you just got to keep moving on to 60 games in a season, you know what I'm saying, so, and usually, if you lose a game, we, we play a lot of back-to-backs, like, Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sundays, so if you lose a game, you got another chance next day, you know, to get back into the swing of things. Whereas in Europe, sometimes, unless you're playing in EuroLeague or EuroCup um, you, or Champions League, you play one game a week. So you'll play a game and then you don't have another chance to get back right until the following week. So that's another reason why it's like if I go to Europe, I have to go to a team that is playing in the EuroLeague or playing multiple games per week because that one game a week stuff and then the amount of practices, I just wanted to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, I'm just like, yeah, nah. And Asia is just different, you know? So, I mean, we still practice and stuff like that, but, you know, we have two games a week, you know, and especially with this team that I'm on playing for a player's coach. He played for 20 years in Japan. Um, JR, he actually played at UCLA, won a national championship. I think in 1999 I don't know I won't I won't don't quote me on that but he's a player's coach and he understands like he played the game so like we're not getting killed at practice you know sometimes in Europe you'll get you know no offense against my Serbian coaches but you'll get a Serbian coach that'll just like really like practice three hours a day twice a day super hard mm -hmm. mm, that's that kind of takes the fun out of the game for me you know because you know, I is it's important to have the basketball, your job, 
and then time to do something outside of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I find it, I find a lot of guys like they struggle being overseas because of that reason. It's just a lot of, a lot of just this going on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about, I mean, all the different things that you got going on outside of basketball. I mean, even, even your Instagram handle is more than a hooper. I mean, yeah. talk about how important that is to you. Um, so, yeah, I grabbed that handle when I was in at Colorado State. Um, I actually had a good friend of mine, Bernard Blake. We were sitting there talking. And um, I think at the time, my handle was like, I'm just a hooper. Mm. I'm just a hooper. Yeah, that's what it was. And we were having a conversation. I was just telling him about, you know, all the things that I want to do. And I had said it. I was like, yeah, bro. But at the end of the day, like, I'm more than a hooper. And he was like, oh, shit, that that sounds fire. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, it does. So I switched my handle then. And from then, I just took that approach everywhere I went. You know, um, like I said, I would have random businesses, you know, um, throughout my career, you know, to kind of give me opportunities to just work on the entrepreneurial skills, to fail, you know, because I'm a firm believer in, like, you should fail as many times as you possibly can so you can learn as much as you can. So um, I just dabbled into a lot of things, uh, some things that I have going on right now, which is I have a lot of things going on right now, but I have a meal prep company in Orlando um, that I actually put a pause on this year um, just because I have this vision um, and I want to execute that vision. Um, It's going to take some capital to do so. Uh, So coming back over here um, was perfect because it gives me another year to kind of refine everything Mm -hmm. because I was doing pretty well throughout the summer in Miami and in Orlando um, doing the meal prepping and catering. And, um, it came down to, all right, I'm ready to expand, but the capital thing was, sorry, all right, yo, if you want to expand, you're going to need such and such amount. This is what you're going to need. Um, so again, like coming here, being able to get, get that capital, also, you know, plan further um, on exactly how I want to approach it um, is extremely, like, I think beneficial for me because um, I have, you know, I have quite a bit of time on my hands outside of basketball to do so. So I have more than a Hooper's Diet, my meal prep company, um I also last year and I'm it's a work in progress but um I am going to launch a sake brand um and sake's uh like rice wine mm-hmm. so I'm gonna launch that I haven't talked about it much just because that process is extremely like I have to have a lot of things in place in order for it to happen so slowly but surely I'm just working on that little by little um I don't know how to turn off my uh, notifications, but yeah, you're good. All right. So, yeah, hey, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna need some of that sake. I never had that before. Hey, yo, actually, if you send me your address, I'll get you some. Right now? Yeah, like I can get you some. Uh, I have I have like over a hundred bottles in the states. Um, Dude, I, I'm not a I'm not a drinker, but. I'm not either. <laughs> but but I do like to have like a glass of wine with dinner or a beer every now and then. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but if you give me your address, I'll definitely I'll definitely ship you one for sure. All right, bet. bet. Um, so I got that going. It's called Two Swords. Um, it's a work in progress. Uh, I'm going to work on it this year, too, as well. Um, but I have a great manufacturer out of Shiga. 
um, which is the last place that I played. Um, and they've, they've had their business and their family for like 200 years, something like that. Yeah, so it's premium sake. It's great stuff. Um, I'm super excited. But I'm also going to take my time with that one just because it's one of those projects that like after I retire, I can start to really put my foot on it and stuff like that. So I have that going on. And um, I also took a job in September with a crypto and NFT based company. Um, they're launching a plat platform. They're called Saitama. Um, they have a cryptocurrency coin that is out right now. It's only been around for about six months. Um, but I'm the head of um, mar uh, influencer marketing and recruitment. Um, so what I do is I just go find influencers within the space and outside of the space, um, whether it's athletes, entertainers, um, you know, people with the following um, to kind of bring them on board with the company and, you know, kind of push the needle. So I've been working on that. Initially, it was supposed to be just Asia that I focused on, um, but then it turned into me contacting all my guys in the NBA, asking them if they wanted to get NFTs created and, you know, asking people like, do you even know about NFTs or crypto and that type of deal? So I've jumped into that space and it's been extremely lucrative over the last, like I said, I, I took the job in September and my crypto account is looking really, really nice right now. <laughs> so, um, but I've always been, even last year, I got into options trading, you know, on the side and um, just working on, you know, building my portfolio and just dabbling into a lot of different things. You know, they talk about most millionaires and billionaires have eight sources of income or seven or whatever it is. So, you know, I've always been thinking about, all right, well, I got one for sure. It's basketball. Um, what else can I do? Um, what else can I do when I'm done playing basketball or what else do I want to do? You know, those questions, I was asking those questions, you know, as soon as I, I had my first injury, um, I was just like, yo, this thing could be gone in a second. You know, I don't want to be in limbo if that ever happens, or I want to just be able to leave the game when I want to leave the game. Cause some people, I feel like they're forced out. Um, they just didn't get another job. They just didn't get another contract. And I always told myself, like, I'm never going to, like, beat myself up if that happens, because I'm always going to have things in place and things in line for me to, you know, to kind of fall back on or not even fall back on, but push forward with. I like to say that instead. Um, but uh, what else? What else do I got going on? Oh, yeah, I'm launching my own NFT. Uh, you, got so much. you got too much going on. <laughs> nah, there's no such thing as too much, man. More than. <laughs> More than, but uh, yeah, I'm launching my own NFT. It's called Ninja Guru. Um, you guys can check it out on uh, Instagram. I have a Discord. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the NFT space, but it's booming right now. Um, I'm, not I'm not super familiar with it. I'll send you some stuff. I'll send you some right. stuff. And it's definitely worth getting into, um, or at least looking, giving it a look. Um, it's all still within the cryptocurrency realm. Um, like I said, Saitama is launching their platform, which uh, combines crypto trading, uh, NFT creations and uh, NFT marketplaces, um, education. Um, I'm probably going to clip this part just so, you know, I can give to, uh, give to the company because it's, a, it's an amazing company. The people behind it, they're super big into giving back to the community. Um, I'm launching. Sorry, I'm not launching, but I'm starting a nonprofit with my family. Um, called More Than Us. 
Um, we just filed for our paperwork and, you know, I'm just all about, you know, just giving back. How can I give back? You know, I always tell myself, like, oh, I'm going to be a billionaire. And then when I become a billionaire, that'll be the day that I that I'm not a billionaire anymore because I'm going to give half of it away. And that's the kind of mindset that I that I kind of not even kind of, but I I have been envisioning for a while now. Don't ask me how I'm going to be a billionaire because I really don't know. <laughs> but hopefully, one of these one of these thousands of things that I'm doing will put me in position to do so. So, so yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of guys. Um, I mean, obviously, it depends on. I mean, where you went to school and like what you majored in and things like that. But a lot of guys don't don't know how to how to get that thing started how to how to run a business i mean where did you kind of learn all those skills or are you kind of learning on the fly uh okay fun fact about me i was in i was in fourth grade and my i was this is in miami i was in fourth grade and my mom started like mary Kay. i don't know if you are familiar but it's like a beauty um like a beauty line mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Um, Mom started she, that? No, she didn't start it. She didn't oh. start it. She started working for Mary oh. Kay. So selling the products. Mm-hmm. And she did it like for a couple of weeks. And then I noticed that she stopped doing it. Right. And I'm seeing all these like products, like just sitting in our garage. And I'm thinking to myself, like, it's, it's like creeping up on like uh, Christmas time. And I remember like watching my mom make like a basket like a basket and then with like this like this wrapping and using a, a blow dryer to like make it look really nice mm-hmm. so I walked to the dollar store bought baskets <laughs> bought a whole bunch of like Christmas decoration type things and uh created like 20 baskets with those products right mm-hmm. and she had a list of the products and I went door to door and sold all her products for her like and I'm in fourth and fifth grade fourth or fifth grade one of those and I sold all those products for her. And she came to the garage one day and she's like, yo, where's, where's my stuff? And then I just came out with a huge, like, wad of money. And I was just like, I sold it all for you. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I was like, I sold it all for you. She was like, all right, I can't even take the money. Like, you keep the money, like, you can buy whatever you want. And then from that point, like, I was the kid in school that had the backpack with no folder, I mean, with a folder, a piece of paper and a pencil and then full of candy and chips and stuff like that. So I was always like selling candy <laughs> school, like semi getting in trouble. Cause they're like, John, you can't do that. But I got good grades, so I got away with it. Um, and it was just, it was just that. And from that point on, like I just, I've always been the kid that, you know, my mom used to work a lot. So she used to say like, all right, like if you want something, um get half the money because at this point I'm selling candy at school I'm selling t-shirts buying and flipping like shoes like all just random stuff just sixth seventh eighth grade this is funny (laughs) thinking about it um and she would always be like if you get half the money I'll, I'll pay for the other half so I think it got to eighth grade and she was like yo that deal is off the table like you're making too much money. I can't pay for half of everything. <laughs> you gotta pay for it yourself. But ever since a kid, like I just always, you know, told myself that I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna find a way to be financially stable. I'm gonna find a way to kind of raise the bar. Um, and it's funny, I I just I just kept it rolling. 
I just kept it rolling. You know, I'm always constantly thinking about the next move, the next play. If it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, just the learning process is always fun to me. So I've just always been like that. Mm -hmm. That's something I love hearing about. I mean, just, I mean, not even just with athletes, with it, with anyone in general, having, I mean, trying and doing all these different things. Like I have these things in my head, but I've never been able to kind of put them into, put them into motion. Um, obviously aside from the podcast, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love hearing about that and, and how successful you guys are becoming. Yeah. I think it's a, uh... I mean, especially, I mean, I know you said for everybody, which is great, but especially for the athletes, man, because especially now, you know, I, like I said, I just turned 30 two days ago. Uh, yeah, two days ago. Um, and I just know a lot of guys or I've seen a lot of guys like uh, come to this point where it's just like, oh, hoop is done. And they have no idea what direction to move into. And that is a scary place to be like an extremely scary place to be because you've done something pretty much your whole life. Um, your routine has pretty much been based on what you've been doing and now it's done. So if any athletes are watching this, like I encourage you to figure out, like just essentially just think about it being done tomorrow. If it's done tomorrow, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? And whatever it is that you want to do, start working on that right now. You know, like I said, you have extra time, especially the overseas guys and even the guys in the league. Like you have extra time throughout your day. You're not in the gym for 24 hours a day. Um, you're, even if you're sleeping eight hours, you're not in the gym. For, you know what I'm saying? Like there's so much time for you to try to figure out what you want to do and putting that into place. I think the G League did a great job when I was there um, establishing the um, Life After Basketball program. Um, so I would do internships every summer with multiple different co uh, companies. And I thought that was one of the best things that they could have done because it like turns on that switch that, hey, it might be over at some point. So what am I interested in? And they had multi a multitude of different like programs to where it was like you can go to a real estate company, Douglas Element. I would always go to there because um, I'm, I'm I want to get into real estate when I'm done. But uh, Douglas Element was a great like opportunity for me like I tried to go to every single one that they had because it that realm is something that interests me you know um but Google was a you know that you could go to Google or you can go to um I'm just thinking off the top of my head um complex you know what I'm saying like just there's so many different companies that opened up their um offices to you know the G League and the NBA players as well to um, go in and, and, and do those internships. And I say even for the overseas players, even if you don't have, you know, the connections with the G League, find something to do when you're at home, you know, whatever realm it is that you want to enter, you know, find a way to, you know, make a phone call. People love athletes. Mm -hmm. People love athletes. So make a phone call and say, hey, you, do you have any internship opportunities? And if they don't, chances are, if you're if you approach them the right way, they'll create an internship opportunity where it'd be like, hey, like, please come into the office and come hang out with us and see what we do on a day to day. And that can I've seen a couple of guys that have gone to, again, Douglas Elliman or whatever it was. And now they're real estate agents, you know, so I think it's uh, I think it's extremely important. Ursan, um, uh, so me and him have the same trainer um, and he went to one of those programs. And uh, recently I heard that 
he bought multiple acres in Palm Beach and he has this project coming up. And I'm just like, yo, and I don't want to speak on it because I'm not sure if he has even put that out there. But it's just like, that's exactly what it's about. You know, he took the time to step back away from hoops and say like, all right, I'm going to go get into this and now I'm going to learn. And now he has the capital. So he's going to do, you know, whatever project it is that he's going to do. And I just think that I think all of us need to, as far as athletes need to um, start thinking about the, when it's done, when the ball starts bouncing. And I mean, I mean, you're a perfect example. There's so many things that guys can do. It's just, it's just whatever you, it's just whatever you have a passion for. I mean, I mean, you could, I mean, I think 99%, I mean, maybe a hundred percent of the guys could go be trainers at the very least. Yep. Could get into coaching, could, could do things like that. Do a podcast. I mean, start streaming. There's so many things you could do. And with, I mean, with your life after basketball. So, I mean, it is, it is tough to see guys um, that don't necessarily have that passion, I guess. Um, just guys that I liked when I was little, um, growing mm-hmm. up watching and, and seeing them now. And they're like, they don't really have a, a, a direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But I think the more we have platforms like this um, to where, you know, it can, like I said, turn that switch on. I think that's extremely important. I think it's great. Um, I mean, the pandemic happened and a lot of people started trying to figure out what were they were going to do because we had no idea what would happen. You know, the seasons just ended abruptly. So everybody was like, are we even going to have a season next year? And if we do, what is it going to entail? So I think a lot of guys, you know, took advantage of that. And you see um, my guy, CJ Fair, um, perfect example. He has a real estate business um, that he's doing really well with right now. Um, That's just somebody off the top of my head. Um, Farrakhan Hall, who I played in the G League with, um, he played at Memphis. Uh, Another example of a person who he started his own fashion line. Uh, called Still Community and it's all based around Memphis and where he's from and like those are the type of things that like I love seeing you know especially you know those are my guys you know those are my guys so I can say that but it's, those are the type of things that that's that's that sparks the the love in my heart because I'm just like yeah that's what I'm talking about you know what I'm saying like we have basketball but now we don't need it you know what I'm saying because we have something else on on the back end or the front end, sorry, I, I, I've been trying to stop saying the back end because I don't want to say, I don't want to put it in the back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's put it let's put it out in front of us because that is exactly what it is. It's something that we can look forward to in the future. Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, even guys like like one of your boys, Rafael. Um, yeah, he's, exactly. He's amazing. He has an Rafael. event on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw uh, and all those guys are going to be there. So with Ray D, um, I, again, I don't know if he's announced it. I talked to him. Actually, he, on my way to Japan, I called him. I was like, yo, I got a huge layover in Atlanta. And he's like, layover, where are you going? I was like, nobody knows yet, but I'm going back to Japan. <laughs> and he was like, all right, cool. I'm about to come pick you up. So he picked me up. We went and grabbed food. He told me everything that he had going on. Um, which I, I already knew everything that he had going on, but he had some good news, some really good news um, as far as like things going on in Fort Wayne. Um, and what he's been able to do, um, essentially like stepping away from corporate America 
and focusing on giving back to the community uh that right there is like huge um the because this is these are things that we've talked about these are things that we've said that we wanted to do and to see everything that he's doing come to fruition and all the support that he's been getting it's, it's a beautiful thing man it is a beautiful thing it's amazing yeah i i mean i've had the opportunity i had him on the podcast and and we've created a good relationship um I worked one of his camps with Lou and, and AJ. The stuff, I, I absolutely love the stuff he's doing. I yeah. mean, he's like, just that like family culture. I think he got that, I mean, probably his whole life, but <clears throat> I mean, Purdue has that. I mean, he's really embodying that and, and just I mean, doing it everywhere. I mean, he's going to Lafayette, Indy, Fort Wayne, down in Georgia. Atlanta. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. Bro. And yeah, this, like, dude, it's absolutely. Like it. Jay, yo, he's like, J.O., when are we going to do a, a camp in Miami or Orlando? And I'm like, all right, bro, this summer. And then I get to rolling with my business stuff. And he's just like, yo, bro, what's up with the camp? And I'm just like, oh, man, like, I got so much <laughs> going on right now, bro. Can you do it for me? Like, and that's exactly the last conversation we had. He's like, yo, next summer when you come home, like, you just let me know what city you want to do it in and then we'll do it, you know, because there's no reason you shouldn't have a camp going on. I was just like, bro, you're a hundred percent right. You're a thousand percent right. I mean, he so, just did one with uh, Deshaun Thomas too. Back yeah. in Fort Wayne. Yeah. He, he was, was playing, playing in Japan. He was yeah. playing in Japan last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I could, t- I could rave about Rayfeld <laughs> for freaking hours. Yeah. He's the best, but uh, uh, I know he we went over time. So, I'm sorry about that, but oh no, 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 I'm I'm good, bro. I'm like tomorrow is a light day. Like the day doesn't start till way later. So I'm I'm just chilling. I'm probably gonna cook some food actually once we get off. Okay. Like, uh, I just had a couple more things. Obviously, with me being a Purdue guy, we gotta talk about them. Um, I mean, talk about that recruiting process for the second time going to transferring to Purdue and kind of what all went into that. Okay, so um, initially, um, and I don't think I've told anybody this story before. All right, so I told I told Colorado State I was leaving um, to go spend my fifth year somewhere else. Um, and my recruitment opened up and so many schools hit me up at that moment. Um, I think Purdue hit me up and my high school coach was like, hey, yo, Purdue hit, um, hit me up. Um, do you want to talk to him? And then I went and looked at Purdue's record the year before, and I was like, nah, this, this is the true God honest truthful story. I was like, nah. I was like, nah, I'm cool. But my high school coach was like, yo, they got Matt Painter. Like, you know what I'm saying? I heard a lot of good things about him. And, you know, I really trust my high school coach. He's like my father figure um, <clears throat> growing up in high school. So um, I was like, I was like, ah, nah, I'm, I'm cool on Purdue. And so I ended up choosing UCLA. Um, I was going to be missing like 70% of my classes or something like that. So they had built like a tutoring program around me trying to go to this like one year um, international business master's program. Like it was just a lot of like moving parts. And last minute, the dean of the program was just like, yo, John, like this is not fair to the rest of my students, you know, so we can't do this. Long story short. My recruitment opens back up, but it's October and school started everywhere. 
and Purdue calls again. And it's funny that Purdue calls again because I'm already on my way to Indiana because my godmother lives in Indiana. She has a home there. And um, uh, the UCLA coaches set me up with Joey Burton, who's a trainer and who's a really, really good trainer, set me up with Joey and Purdue calls and they're like, yo, uh, are you interested? And I was like, well, I'm in Indiana. Let me take a visit. So I take a visit and I walk into the gym and I see big AJ and I see big Isaac. And I'm just like, wait, you got two seven footers. <laughs> That's the first thing I said, like, you got two seven footers. Like, yeah. And then I watched them practice and I was like, how old are the rest of these guys? And they were like, oh, they're freshmen. I was like, really? And at this point, I'm just like, and they got y'all picked last in the big 10. Like, I think they were picked, we were picked either last or second to last in the Big Ten going into the season. I was like, really? They're like, yeah, we, you know, we had a down year last year. And I was like, all right. Went to Coach Paint's office. Paint gave me a few words. And I was like, yeah, man, where do I sign? I was like, I'm so sorry I let this slip out the first time. Like, but where do I sign? So I signed. Um, they got me into a master's program there. And the rest is history. It was a great, you know, I had never like talked to anybody at Purdue prior to that. Um, I just, you know, with everything that was going on, trying to graduate, leaving Colorado State, because I still had to graduate. I said I had to take 15 credits in the summer. So I'm doing all this stuff and I was working uh, as well. Yeah, it was it was it was tough. It was a tough summer. I had to really grind it out. So I didn't want to have to deal with talking to every single school. So I kind of let my, you know, the people around me kind of helped me out, engage that. Um, but I ended up choosing Purdue. Um, and that was probably the best decision that ever happened to me because like, I'm a boiler for life now. And that, like, that's never going to change. Uh, and it's a, it's a good feeling to be a boiler. Like I, I go into the airport in, in Indiana and it's like, oh, Octis, and I'm just like, yeah, man, what's up? Oh, what's up man you know and whether they're IU fans or Indiana State fans Purdue fans Notre Dame like it the Indiana basketball environment is just something that was just so um you know I grew up in a, f a football state in Florida so we don't really have you know that type of hype around you know college sports college basketball sorry um and it was just a, it was just a good feeling being there it just felt everybody helped me feel right at home the young guys were, they're all like my little brothers. I still talk to everybody. Um, the coaching staff, I still talk to everybody. Um, it's just, you know, like that family oriented environment is, act, is exactly what it is. Like boiler for life. So, yeah. How, I mean, how that was going to be my next question. How real is that, that, that family culture? Cause I feel like, I mean, all the Purdue guys I've had on, they just, they just rave about how close they are all together. Yeah. I mean, I talked about how, you know, I left Purdue and got and got hurt in Germany. And the first person I call is, um, well, I called Chad, the trainer. Yeah. Um, I was just like, yo, bro, I just hurt my knee. And then next thing you know, Paint gives me a call. And he's like, well, if you need to come back here to rehab, just let me know. And I was like, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that right there shows you that, you know, I lived with, I lived with Ryan, Grady, and PJ then the following year. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I got to see, you know, how hard, you know, those guys are working. I had to, be, I got to be in the gym with them, you know, that type of environment, like them taking care of me essentially. Cause I had no idea. I mean, that was my first injury ever. I never experienced an injury before. So when that happened, I really didn't know what, what was going to come of it and being able to go back home, mm -hmm. Lafayette, you know what I'm saying? Home literally and be able to, not 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 only work on my game work on my body i also was you know training kids um because uh one of the best family members were uh we had uh had their gym which gave me a job so like just again that environment being in lafayette um man it's, I, I can't if i could send my son there or i don't have any kids yet or my daughter there I'm 100% trying to get them to be bored <laughs> because it's that important. It's, it's literally that genuine. Well, I mean, I was thinking about this. You left an impact at Purdue that very few transfers have. I mean, you, sure. I mean, like you were, I mean, you weren't the first because just before you was like Sterling Carter and Eric Peck, they came in as one of your guys. But I mean, you kind of started the mold of, Matt Painter going out and getting those grad transfer guards, uh, yeah. followed by like Johnny Hill, Spike. I mean, yeah. and then you can keep Evan Boudreaux. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, Purdue still, I mean, like you said, they still love you and 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 you love them. It's it, it is really cool to me that you could come in and 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 make that impact like you did. I appreciate that. Honestly, they made it easy on me. <laughs> the guys really did make it easy on me like the transition was a smooth transition from start to finish I remember we started off the season a little slow mm -hmm. but coach paint was just like yo we're gonna be good you know just keep grinding keep grinding keep grinding and then we get in the big uh, big 10 play and it's just like you just see like slowly but surely we start to climb the ladder and I think we what did we finish that year I think we finished tied for second I can with Michigan State or maybe third but like I said from to finish that mm -hmm. and being picked last you know that was an amazing accomplishment and I was just glad to be a part of it and then to see the growth continue afterwards you know when I was gone because like I was there for that second year um mm -hmm. and then you know just being around that group seeing that group grow and now I got now I got little PJ's on the part of the coaching staff you know what i'm saying like that all that stuff is just a beautiful thing man i just love it and then i mean i mean la last thing i gotta bring up obviously you're dunking against iu um i mean i was i i went back and watched that play like i ended up watching it probably like 25 times but <laughs> i remember when i was at home i was in my basement watching and i was like vince threw the ball and it like kind of went out towards half court. I was like, what the hell is Vince doing? And then you just beeline right to the basket and yeah. drug your nuts on Colin Hartman's face. I mean, how how much do people kind of come up to you and say that, especially when you're when you're back in Indiana? How much do they talk about that? Yeah, that play kind of like just it doesn't matter anything else that you did, J.O. and in, in at Purdue, you did that. Mm. It was one of those things. Like so, um, it. First of all, let me let's let's talk about walking into 
assembly hall and the crowd already being there and it being like just this rocked out house, like people screaming at you. Like that was one of the most, that was one of the best experiences I ever had in my life because I that, that was the first time the crowd kind of just shut up for a second. <laughs> and um, Isaac's celebration, like obviously I didn't see his celebration until after the game and, and then sports in the top 10 play. Um, and I hadn't gone out in Purdue at all up until that point. Like I hadn't like gone to any parties or the bars or anything. And I remember Ray D saying, Hey bro, we going out tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And I went out and I felt the love and I was just like, Hey, yo, this school is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it really just, it, it was just, I mean, I can't really, there's no words for it. There's no words for it. I think I won college dunk of the year that year. Like, there's just no words for it. And it's partly because the Purdue fans, they were rocking so hard for me, you know. So there's no words. I just, you know, I'm glad I got to be a part of that, you know, you know, that season, just part of that family, part of that play. Just, you know, it's just no words. Uh, Another thing, sorry. Um, I mean, what was it like to kind of go into that IU-Purdue rivalry as a transfer and I mean the two years before we had gotten absolutely killed by them I don't think we had won and we hadn't won in a while um against them so what was it like to see those guys especially like Ray and and um and AJ um so there's we always well before the game they played like a reel of like all the Purdue greats, you know, basically giving us like a pep talk <laughs> before the game. Um, and I got like goosebumps, like seeing everybody talk about how important that game was. So I was fired up, honestly. And then I walk in the gym and like I said, like the gym's already rocking two hours before the game. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. Like you can't hear anything. Like you can't hear anything. Your ears are about to pop. It's crazy in there, like even our home game when we played them, because I could say I'm 2-0 and against IU. You know, <laughs> I've never lost against them. So uh, that that alone is just, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, it's an amazing thing. I understand, I understand how big that rivalry is. And it's probably, it's probably one of the biggest, top three, four, five biggest college rivalries. Mm-hmm. So to be a part of that and then come out victorious twice, you know, I can always say that and hold that, you know, against anybody. You know, Christian Wofford, he became a good friend of mine after um, I left Purdue playing in the TBT. And I always be like, yeah, bro, I'm 2-0 against you guys. <laughs> I don't care about anything else that happened. I don't care about when you were there. I don't care about anything. I'm 2-0 against you guys. So, but even even then, like the IU fans, like I see them all the time. And they're just like, yo, man, I remember you, bro. Like, and they show love because at the end of the day, it's basketball and Indiana is such a basketball state and it's a huge basketball family. So, you know, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it greatly. I wish the people on Twitter knew that because they obviously yeah. do not. <laughs> Twitter is different though. Twitter is like its own. It's world. a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, yeah. there's no uh, sensor on that. hundred um, percent. But like I said, we went like 35 minutes over what we were supposed to so i'm sorry for that are no, you good you good hungry and everything like that but um thank you so much for coming on 
Um, I'm glad we finally got to do this. It's been a long time coming. Um, yeah. But best of luck um, going forward this season and uh, and uh, stay safe. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, send me the address so I can send you that bottle. Oh, yes, sir. Hey, plug, plug, plug everything before, uh, before we hop off here. Of your um, um, social media, businesses, everything like that. Is it backwards? <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> Is it backwards? No, you're good. You're All good. right, there we go. You're Follow sure. your boy. Support <laughs> all my NFT people. Oh, real quick, uh, the NFT that we're dropping. So <clears throat> I have a couple friends that have uh, one of my childhood friends. He has a nonprofit organization called Team Up. Um, we're gonna be donating some proceeds to his non non uh, nonprofit organization, who's also teaming up with um, an ex UConn player, uh, Tuli. Uh, she has a nonprofit organization called Wake that um deals with um empowering women in sport so they're building a gym in guinea and um we're going to donate some of our proceeds to that as well so i think that's a pretty cool project you know just so, just a way for me to get back and i'm also going to be donating some proceeds to my nonprofit, um which we're in the works right now we launched next month um it's called Ninja Guru NFT on Instagram. And from there, you can gain as much information as you want. And then just follow me on Instagram at more than a hooper and just follow my journey. I think I'm going to start a YouTube page. I've been talking about starting a YouTube you page do. for a while. You need to. I have, I have so much footage. I just, the editing part of it. Hey, yo, if anybody likes to edit, let me know. <laughs> Slide in my DMs and let me know. Because that part of it is, yeah, that's the part that uh, gets me. Yeah, it's a pain. But uh, I mean, having me on, man. Sorry it took so long, but I think it it worked out perfectly because you know I had more to talk about, I had more to. Hey, per I could I could go for two hours if I want. <laughs> hey, uh, let's check back in in six months and see see how far we've gotten with some things. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Hey, thanks. Right, man. Have a good one. Later. Bye.